Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am joined by Simon Walker. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on Meet the Creatives. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You were actually recommended. Uh, I, I don't have the Instagram handle in front of me, but one of my listeners actually, I don't know if you know this, uh, recommended uh, that I check out your work. Uh, I have a Meet the Creative slash Ask feature. And I found your work and I was like, this guy's the fucking man. This is great. This is amazing. <laughs> I really love your work. That uh, Thank you. And you've worked with a whole bunch of different clients. You've worked with Nickelodeon, which is one of my favorite brands, Pepsi, ESPN, Nike, Target. The list goes on. Um, and your work is really great. It's uh, mostly lettering as well as some other uh, things in there. So uh, tell me about your journey. Tell me the parts that you find the most interesting and that are the most uh, you know, important to your, uh, your story. The biggest thing about it is just how, how unexpected it is because I never, I never made the decision to um, become or fall into what I've fallen into. There was a time where I was just more of a traditional designer, graphic designer, and I still am. I, you know, I still, I still do those things and I still have a, a huge love for it. But um, I, I was just... I, I remember thinking to myself and telling people, oh my gosh, can you believe people who just, who create lettering and create fonts? I mean, you know, they're suckers. That's, that's for suckers. Yeah, right, the right. fonts are already there. It's, it's, it's all good to go. Let the experts do what they do. It's kind of like. Right. Um, just picking the color. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I liken it to like brewing your own beer as opposed to buying beer. It's kind of like, you know, personally, I, I, I have brewed beer right. and it came out okay, but I prefer the beer that the experts do. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> That's a great analogy. A, I love that. It's good. Yeah. So I, as a designer back in the day, it was more kind of like, well, why, why go to all that trouble? Why, why, you know, design your own, create your own lettering when, when you can just use what's, right. what's like, out like there. Leverage from and the experts. More of an yeah. Illust- yeah, I was more of an illustrator at the time anyway. So I was really heavily into illustration. I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, I was, I was desperately trying to get printed on Threadless. I got a couple T-shirts on there. And, um, you know, but, and, and I think, actually, I think those experiences really taught me a lot about vectoring. And that's, that's a good thing. So well, the, the weird part of that whole story is that I always did have, I, I always had created letters. I mean, one of the first things that I ever did, and again, this is a story told many times, is how um, as a youth growing up in England, in the late 80s, so I'm showing my uh, mid to, well, in the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. I knew late there was an accent in there. there somewhere. I heard it. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not going to be weird, but I want to find out what that accent is. <laughs> I love England. I'm trying to go to England. It's going to be amazing. Oh, same here. Yeah. I haven't been back in a long time. It's time to, it's time to go back. So but, somebody, um, somebody sponsor our flight. We'll do a live podcast. Me and Simon oh, beautiful. Walker, Super Fury Live. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet you there. We'll have a, we'll have a, a pint. <laughs> a proper pint. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry, um, we good. But uh, so, but, but back in the day, um, so so hip hop was like this big thing, this 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 new phenomenon, and it was it wasn't like today when you can just get online and find anything right. you like. It's just it was it was really hard to get. You had to know a friend who'd just been to London and maybe heard some obscure radio station and got his cassette deck out and recorded like a little bit of He's something got the cassette, amazing. Man. And, He's got the bootleg. Yeah, we weren't we weren't like trading drugs under the table. We were trading cassettes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was it was cool, but. Um, Oh my God! Uh, so you know, I tried. I got a little bit into the breakdance thing and all that kind of stuff. And of course, I love the music, but graffiti definitely took a hold of me. So I was doing a lot of. I was trying. I was trying to mimic what these guys were doing. They were doing it with spray cans on big walls yeah. and whatnot, trains and all that. But uh, you know, just pen and paper, um, kind of mimicking those those that that the craziness, the way those letters could sort of interact with each other and right, right, right. Uh, sort of become warped to the point where they weren't even letters anymore, even yep. though. The, the genesis of that picture was a word or a phrase or something. You know, there was something really cool about that, how 
how these 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 letter forms could be twisted into something yep. so artistic. But anyway, that whole that whole thing always stayed with me. So it's weird that I always had this kind of aversion to doing it myself, especially on a professional level. Yeah. Um, but I guess what really happened was it was it was starting to become. Uh, something that you were seeing more, it was more popular. So clients were asking for it. And I had a client who came to me and he was actually, he's an, an English client, um, approached me and said, hey, can you can you do some custom, you know, lettering for me? And here's a few things that I like. Right. And so I, 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 was, I was pretty anxious about it, but I took it on. And I actually do, when I do tutorials and when, I, when I've spoken to classes and stuff, I'll show the work that I did for this guy because it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty awful. Yeah. Tried really, really hard. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a unique experience. And I, I think at the time I thought, yeah, this is, this is. And you kind of felt like you just couldn't get loose, sort of thing, right? Like you could. Yeah. That's how I feel about it right now. I, I feel like, right. like I, I see. It's super weird when you're when you're not a letterer, and then you see people that are like, I like, I look at your work like that. Um, I don't even need to look it up. I love it. It's uh, that yonder thing that you did. Like, I yeah, would oh, yeah. love to do that. And I could see myself at some point being able to execute something of that nature. Or, you know, like, yeah. I'm also like big, a fan of the work of like John Contino and stuff. And you see right. it and it looks easy, but it's not easy. And it's almost like, I feel like the, and tell me if I'm wrong, because it's just an assumption, but I almost feel like it's like the moment that you can get loose and be like, well, this is like my fucked up hand, so to speak. Mm. And like, that looks good. It's kind of like the, the perfect storm. So it has to be like you being comfortable enough like with your own style and aesthetic and intuition and like knowing when it's quote, like, quote unquote good enough. And then yep. like you have to have the luck of your natural hand being that good looking because if you try and emulate other things, it's like can be difficult. Man, exactly. Yeah, it's it's Because I can't do it. I can't, rep I can't replicate something that's not my natural hand, which is an interesting phenomenon. And I've always found that so fascinating. You know what I mean? Like I can't do you. Yeah. Which is strange because I could do, you know, with type with typography and things like that. Like I can just emulate it, but with lettering, yeah. it's like you almost have to have that intuition and like those little imperfections that make your work uniquely yours. Which I think is so. That's what I find so like intriguing about it, you know. Yeah, the imperfections thing is is definitely interesting. Um, but to go back to what you were saying, you know, I, I the big thing to take away from my experience is that. It takes, it just takes time. It just takes yeah. time because when I started doing it, nobody would have looked at me and said, oh my God, he's a natural. Look at this stuff. It's incredible. Right, no, right. It, was, it was awful. It was, it was crap. I didn't, I hadn't trained my brain to recognize the, the nuances of, of what makes uh, letter forms work and what doesn't. And, it, and it's once you, once you figured out what makes letter forms work and you figure out all those sort of unwritten but sort of widely recognized rules right that's when you can really have fun breaking the rules but you got to know the rules before you can break them yeah totally With totally lettering. um you know properly anyway right uh, so, so it's kind of like having like a big visual vocabulary it's sort of, i once heard sean adams use that expression and i think that's what it is like with lettering you have to be like a student of it and have gone yeah. through the archives and seen it this podcast is for entry-level designers and illustrators and you know, uh, cool. all sorts of creative homies. Uh, they're trying to find their way. Um, I think it would be, you know, you could always just kind of Google it, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. But for young entry-level creatives that are looking to get into lettering and they want to learn about those forms and some great examples of, of that, is there like a, a must-read book or like a must-read person that you should see or someone who speaks to it? I mean, there are so many out there, but like, you know, if you had to give somebody one book or one place URL, 
Or did you kind of just, you kind of just have to, it's like the culmination of all of the things. That it's the culmination. And I, and I hate to, you know, I don't want to just to say that yeah. like it's the easy answer. Yeah. Um, but it, but it just really is. Yeah. And um, what people have today that, that even I didn't have 10 years ago when I was starting to do this stuff, is just this huge wealth of instantly accessible um, inspiration, you yeah. know? Or classes or whatever, uh, like you can take a class exactly. with your favorite Exactly. So all these online Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. Yeah, it's it's it's. There's so much more available to people now than there were back then. Yeah. But um, with with lettering, it's a combination. Again, it's a combination of everything. It's time. It's taking your time. It's it's uh, you know, not everybody likes every style of lettering. I don't even. Yeah. You know, there. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, name names or particular styles in. You know. Right. I, I necessarily won't do that, but. But like a personal um, preference, yeah, that makes total, total yeah. sense. Yeah, I'm the same so way. So you kind of. There, I think there's a part of, uh, you know, designers the way we work. We think we need to be good at all of it. You don't. Um, and I, you know, there's some. There are times when I see other people's work and it's incredible, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I, I can't. I could probably do that. I should probably figure out how to do that. No, I don't. I have to. I have to step back and say. That's not what I do. I should just stick to what I what I truly love and what I'm really good at, right, right. and not worry about what all those other people are doing. Yeah. But um, in terms of just learning and coming up from from scratch, uh, yeah, find those things you most gravitate towards. Because you know, obviously, if you look at my work, I really gravitate towards um, you know vintage styles in particular, and uh, especially right now, you know, stuff from like the 50s and 60s. That's just you know 70s too a little bit. Right. Um, those kind of retro styles are, are very cool to me. Yeah, um, I love that. You know, the Tom Carnes and uh, yeah. Allen and all those guys. Uh, yes, it's it's obvious. You know, I know, and I know people know that they see it in my work, and that's fine. That's 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 you know, that's where my inspiration comes from right now. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I feel like you gotta you gotta just like those people that you because everyone like uh, uh, everyone gets kind of like from somewhere, and it's not that they're like copying. Or they're, they're emulating, but it's like, it's kind of like that, you know, with the way that they talk about people. It's like you are the culmination of like the 10 people you spend the most time with or whatever, like yeah. wh whatever people say, like right, whatever like the dumb expression is. Like I feel like design is right. kind of the same way, but that's why I think it's like of the utmost importance to, to make sure that the ones that you pick are good. Because anyone who says like I'm 100% original, like first off, fuck that person. Cause like they're completely like they're completely like full of it, but you know we all have our influences, and I know like you mentioned like Herb, Llewell you said Herb Llewellyn, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. like we all have yeah. our influences, but I think that's a, a really important thing to um, to do as a young creative is to make sure those ones are, are really good. Yeah. Like you know like Ahmed Klink is like one of my favorite. You know I'm getting into portrait photography, and mm. not that I would ever copy his work, but like it's a really good thing to be aware of the way that he does portraits when I go. And if, if it's like, if it seeps in a little bit to my work, that may be a good thing. Cause it's like, you know, it will always be different cause you're kind of natural hand gets in the way. So we're getting very, yeah, very, very heady today on meet the creatives. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh man. We have to see if we can dig our way out a little bit, but no, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> it is a fine line between, um, inspiration and plagiarism it, it just is yeah. it's a tricky uh, you know there have been one or two occasions in my past where i've done something completely unconsciously that i've suddenly realized it's way too close to something that i loved and i wasn't even looking at that thing it yep. wasn't on my radar at that moment but I've it was obviously too. somewhere in there and so i haven't shown it i haven't put it out i think that's i think that's the right thing to do but um again in terms of 
you know, learning coming up from, from, from nothing. I don't have a problem with the idea of copying your heroes. I really don't. I think you should. Right. I think you should really um, figure out what it is they do. And the best way to do it is by kind of reproducing it. Earlier on, I mentioned your clients. You've worked with some awesome clients like Target, Nike, and stuff like that. Um, I think that one of the things I get uh, the most DMs about from illustrators and letterers is trying to find representation and trying to lock down real clients. That moment from when you go from school to when you uh, leave and you're like, oh fuck, this is the real world. This is gonna be tough. What do I do? Oh yeah. Really scary. Yeah. Can we try and make that a little bit less scary? How do you go about finding representation? How do you go about um, getting freelance gigs with clients? I think if you're starting out and you think if money's an issue, um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be difficult uh, to, to get by on your own. I, 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 you know, I learned a lot working at agencies and I wouldn't take any of that back. I think it was, uh, I was fortunate. I worked with some really, really good places. Um, yeah. and that that's been invaluable to me. And actually the last place I was at a place called GSD and M in Austin, um, such a great vibe, such a great environment, awesome clients, you know, we had great projects to work on. And when it came down to, holy crap, what do I do? Am I going to leave and become full-time freelance? Or am I going to stay with this? Something's got to give because this is kind of building. Right, right. But I wanted to or not. And do I just, because I can't do both. I was doing, I was working two jobs basically. So I was like, what do I do? So I eventually had to jump. But I wouldn't have jumped for anything other than working for myself yeah. uh, for a job like that. Because it was just, it was, it was a great place. It was, That's it was, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that exists. That's out there. I think people like, you know, people's parents tell them like, oh, like, you know, you'll never find a place you love. Tell your parents like, that's not fucking true. It's 2017. You totally can. And you can have a place where it's like, they're all friends and it's all, you know, you all love the shit out of each other and have a great time. Like, that's yeah, totally, totally yeah, possible. Exactly. My mom was like, yeah. my dad was always like, find a job. Like, you're never going to like people you work with. That's not true. <laughs> it's not true. No, especially <laughs> in this industry. It's, I, there are so many yeah, I don't know. Like just finance or like you know something like that. Yeah, yeah. There were just so many. I mean, I met so many good people working in working in agencies, um, and still hang out with them, and still still love them. My best friends, you know, they're they're they're, they're family. So, but you know, the, the weird thing about what we do, especially as a freelancer, is that everybody's journey is different. Everybody's story is different. So when I talk about how I got to where I am, it's not like I can say this is how it should be done because. I don't think that's necessarily the case and I don't think it's going to be the same for everyone. Right. I kind of fell into it and it was sort of like a thing where it was either embrace this or let it go completely. So um, the time was right. The clients were already there. I already had people knocking on my door for work. Uh, so that was a good place to be going into becoming a freelancer. I couldn't imagine doing it any other way. Yeah, you know? for sure. I think that would, that would be particularly hard. But one of the things that made it possible, of course, was um, – you know, social media and dribble and, and, and uh, Instagram has become pretty, pretty valuable now. It wasn't at the time, but, right. but it serves now. Um, those things make and, 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 you know, hashtagging stuff, you know, and put, make sure make sure you're listing, you know, what kind of work you're doing and clients and what, you know, client right. names and all that kind the of business. swipe up uh, feature and kind of like using it as like sort of like an e-commerce sort of situation. You could do that, too, as well, like with the yeah. print stuff. That's really exciting for uh, illustrators. Because if you like, like this design, swipe up for the T-shirt. I think that is cool. a game yeah. changer, you know? And, and if the work is good, the clients will find you. They will find you. Yes. So I, I do have representation, but uh, he doesn't find work for me. 
I think there's his business is starting to get a little bit more into that now. They're starting to be a little bit more proactive as they're growing, right? In right. terms of reaching out to, um, you know, people that they know and, and, and client bases and whatnot, right? Uh, right. For work, but generally, um, you know, they come to me directly through my site or, right. or Instagram, whatever, and what is, uh, and he handles it for me from there. So that's that's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what is that? It's funny. Like I, I almost I'm. Realizing as I ask people this question, I feel like maybe I'm a bit confused on it. Like, what exactly does representation mean? Because I always thought representation means it's like, like they would kind of advocate for you, and and, and I, I understand like you're like a smaller operation. I'm talk, I'm just referring to like in general. Um, like, I always thought that was like they would advocate on you and help to negotiate the deal. So you would have somebody who's like, oh yeah, a bit more business minded, and it's going to make sure that you're getting the best deal <laughs> and. Um, oh, yes. and like yeah, do yeah. PR and things of that nature, which I get that part. But then I also too, I hear people that say that like, it's not necessarily that cause it's like, sometimes it's like, it can just be like a network and an office space where, cause there are huge like, agencies like, like handsome Frank is one that comes to mind where they represent all these artists around, around and the, uh, the world really. And uh, they kind of are massive. But then there are smaller places, mm. which are like groups of friends who like rock out with each other and then split the bill for the WeWork space that they all use kind of thing. Yeah. So the model yeah, is changing. The... the model is definitely changing, right? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, you're talking about like a, uh, what do they call it? Like a co-op situation? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's um, so cool to see how that's, how that's evolving. How you can almost kind yeah, of like rate cool. it yourself sort of thing, which I think is dope. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great, and it's it's totally it's a totally legitimate business practice, and it, I could see myself doing it in another life. But as it is right now, um, no, mine is mine is you know more what you were talking about before. Uh, I before I I went, well, not before, but a few years ago, um, I actually had a quick stint working at an agency in San Antonio. Uh, I was there for about eleven months, and it was a small place, and because it was so small. We ended up having to do like we did all our own paperwork. We did all the money. We talked to all the clients. We we negotiated costs and all this kind of stuff. And it was it was awful because it's just not what I do. It's not what where my strengths lie. And right, right. A part of me really resented the implication that I should be able to figure this out and work and be creative at the same time. But I mean, again, it did. It was a learning experience, and I definitely learned a lot from it. But I made lots of mistakes too because it's just not the way my mind works. So I've yeah, always known. I'm not the money guy. I don't understand it. I don't. It's, it just makes me uncomfortable to talk about it. Right. And as a freelancer, I always hated negotiating costs because I could never figure out what what my work was worth for this particular job. And of course, it depends. It varies depending on what what the job is. Right. So that's that's what uh, the guy who represents me does. And it's it's. I mean, he is worth his weight in gold. I wouldn't be here now if not for him. Um, awesome. And he does all those things that you said. He. Uh, uh, you know, he, he intercepts those emails that I guess get, get from clients and he takes them, you know, and he says, yeah. all right, I'll, I'll start the whole conversation and he'll talk the money. I don't have to think about it. And then he comes to me and he says, this is how much, what do you think? And I say, yeah or nay. And I pretty much always say, yeah, cause it's, yeah. I, I know he knows the business and he knows that he's gone as much as he can get for that job. Right. Um, and yeah, he's also my advocate too. And when clients get squirrely and they do from time to time, I don't have to deal with that. He, he takes care of it. So wow. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a beautiful thing. So when your no. guy comes to you and uh, and has a proposal to which you have to say yay or nay, how yeah. do you decide the kind of work 
that you want to do and um, what are the things you get the most and what do you hope to get in the future? The big things are our budget and how much time do I have to work on this project depending on what they're asking for because sometimes they're wanting a lot but they don't have a big budget. Um, and if they're asking for something that's not looking like it's going to help me further myself creatively, right. then I, I might decline it, yeah. you know, based on that. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of factors involved. Occasionally, you know, and, and by the, you know, I get the emails that he gets too, so it's not like a surprise usually when he comes to me with a job. I usually, I've already been in the yeah, conversation. Yeah, kind of like auditing conversation. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so occasionally this is I'll so just cool. get like, you can ask this right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I get a sense sometimes from the client that I'm like, I don't know if this is someone I want to work with because uh, there are a lot of people out there that just want to kick the tires and, and um, will take work and not pay you, you know? Right, I mean, right. that's, that's something that, that this, my, my uh, studio manager will also take on for me when clients don't pay. They don't pay on time or they don't pay at all. Yeah, um, It's a big pitfall of working for yourself. Um, just a warning to people out there. I've had, in fact, I've had pretty big clients that, you know, they won't pay for six months to a year, two years. Yeah. It just blows my mind. Yeah, and they've already used my work, and it's printed, and it's out there in the world, and they just, they just can't seem to. And there, and there are not many, many or any, as far as I know, laws in place to kind of protect us from that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a tricky part of what we do. So this, this is the, the hardest thing that I deal with. I, I am a recreational illustrator. I would not want to do, I don't think that I have the skill set yet to do it um, professionally. Uh, I do feel like I'm getting to that place with photography, but, but my illustrator skills are still kind of like, illustrating lettering skills are still kind of like in their you know, very mm -hmm. primitive place. Uh, yeah. Photography's coming along though. That's another core output coming right up. But right behind that, I want yeah. to have, I hope to one day be able to be like a very multidisciplinary designer type thing. I think everybody yeah. probably wants that. But uh, maybe not. But I do. But here's my thing. I, I always crumple it up and restart it. Or I, get to, I, or I get it to a place and I vectorize it and I like it. And then it's like, there's something that's bothering me about it. Or this one curve wasn't just so like... Mm -hmm. What is, how do you get to a place where you know where it's finished? Because I've had multiple opinions on this on this podcast. So Sarah Tennant-Jones from Handsome Frank uh, from England as well. Uh, she mentioned about, you know, she actually enjoys that process because it's like you're, you're like, if you feel that way to restart, restart it because mm -hmm. the, there's a chance that the, the new iteration could be exponentially better. And if you're getting that vibe, you should tap into that. And then there are some people I know that kind of just use their natural hand and bang it out and just do it. Mm. How, do you, how do you figure that out and get it to a place where, like, if you were working on a deadline, you wouldn't panic and be like, oh, fuck, I can't do this. Sort of <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm afraid uh, of. That's, that's, when you're, uh, that's when your friends come into play. Um, you need to have good designers to bounce things off. And I'm not talking about getting online and posting things on Dribbble and things like that. I'm talking right, right. about... One on one, you got friends you can email your stuff to, and I do that all the time. Yeah. And they'll call stuff out, and and if you know them well enough, they're not going to call things out just because they're trying to blow their own trumpet. They're not just trying to say something. And yeah. most of the time, if it's good, they'll tell you, "No, it's fine. It looks fine to me. Don't change a thing." Yeah. Uh, so that's that's invaluable to me. 
because um, the when you get that's you know when you get to that point where you're like I don't know I don't know I'm staring at it or maybe you're looking at two versions and you can't choose between two versions you got to have someone else's eyes on it yeah uh, I have friends that, that go your wife in it or or you know your, your your daughter or whoever's around I mean that helps too yeah. just to get that, that sort of non-biased non-professional perspective but yeah, yeah it gets my wife friends. is like that too that's so funny you say that my wife's a music teacher and she's not a yeah. designer. So sometimes yeah. I'll do like designy designer, you know, like you know, there's a uh, phrase in comedy they use like uh, like doing it for the back of the room. So like mm-hmm. you're doing comedy for the comedians, not for the audience. You're kind of like yeah, perfect, perfect yeah, analogy. yeah. That's kind of like what it is. And sometimes I do that a little bit, and then my wife will be like, "Why is that there?" And I'll just be like, yeah. "Well, it's a," and she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> but like you know, the general public doesn't think that." So that's kind of yep. interesting. I have friends that I, yeah. that I'll do that with, um, who will go from one extreme to the other but like in a in a good way mm-hmm. so like i have friends i'll be like we're, like i'll send it i'll be like just like let me know your thoughts and i'll get like yeah. you know, in all capital letters nice and then it's right. like other times they can be like just like completely shit on it which i want and they know i want i want that and if you don't <laughs> yo, if you don't want that like you're you're fooling yourself because like like you said if you trust the person and that's a that's an interesting kind of note is that kind of Getting to a place in a friendship with someone where you can have that, you can trash their shit and they know it's from a place of unconditional love and you yeah. trust their work so much. Like, don't take advice from people whose work you don't fucking respect. Absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who are, it's like, you know, like they, they, they get it from their dad, but like their dad doesn't, their dad doesn't know. Like, I have a lot of friends who it's like, I really value their opinions and it's almost like I'm almost really happy when they shit on it sometimes because it's like, that's them sharing their time with you and their expertise. But uh, you definitely want it to be honest and real. And I think going to your girlfriend who supports everything that you do is like, oh, it's great. That can be detrimental. Yes. Here's mm-hmm. the, this is the biggest conundrum in the, in the design creative space. Is it's the juxtaposition of the two. The one very intimate relationship that you have with the people that are closest to you that you design with that are your boys. And it's like, like you guys are jamming and you're up till 4 a.m. doing the thing and it's an intricate dance of like opinions and like knowing when it's good enough and trusting your intuition and what like what's so fucked up about it is and what I kind of hate sometimes about things in like the industry life and the in the advertising space and in the like working in an agency is that like you can have all that and that's so real and raw and it's from such a real vulnerable place mm-hmm. and some fucking client could just be like nah I don't like it like that oh, yeah. is, uh, how do you deal with that? Cause, uh, cause I, uh, I'm fine in the room. I'm cordial. <laughs> and then I go walk to Starbucks and, uh, you know, say words that, you know, my grandma would not want me to hear. So. <laughs> how do you deal oh. with that? Cause I'm going to, I'm, I'm young in the game. I have a lot of patience, but internally though, like I never would say anything. I'm not that fucking stupid. Uh-huh. And I realize how small this industry is. But there, yep. there are times where it's like you'll do something and you'll put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. And there's this kind of like trivial – how do you get over that? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> first things first, I, yeah, no, I, I, I conduct most of my back and forth with clients through email, which is great. I hate phone calls. If I can avoid a phone call, I will. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have to do those every now and again. But the first thing I do is I go bitch to my wife. And yep. she's awesome. And she'll always understand. She's always supportive. And, and not just because she's biased or she has to be. Right. Um, she gets it. You know, she, she's dealt with her own uh, issues like that in the past, too. Is she in the too. creative field? Um, 
she yeah she has been sort of in and out not not in the same way that, that we are but yeah. uh yeah yeah cool. so she i mean she she gets it but beyond that um the one thing I do, if a client's telling me they, they don't like something or they want to make they want to make a change that you just know is fundamentally wrong, right? Uh, you you can tell them, and I tell them, and I'll write out an email. But I'll always say, listen, at the end of the day, you're you're paying for this, so I'm gonna go with whatever you say. I'm gonna do that, but I wouldn't be worth the money you're paying me if I didn't at least give you my opinion and tell you how I feel about this and give you a good reason why, and I spell it out for them. And then I say it once again, but it's up to you. So you, you know, you make the decision here. Right. So you've done your best and you're still going to get paid for it. And the sad truth is um, often you just have to write off uh, a piece of work that you've done. You know, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had it happen before. There's a couple of, you know, a couple of clients out there. I, I can't name any names that, you know, I've done, I've done work for and it's, and it's, it's published and it's out there and. I haven't posted it anywhere because the decisions that they made for my work, I didn't agree with and I don't feel good about it. So I'm not going to show that work. I'm just not going to show it. Yeah, yeah. That sucks, but it's an, it's an option that you have. And yeah. at least you get paid at the end of the day. Exactly. But if you can avoid it, avoid it by letting them know. Yeah. Because they're paying you for your expertise, not just to be like, you know, like him, not just to be a bitch, not just to do what they tell you to do. Right, right, right. For sure. Um, until they they insist, in which point you have to kind of say, okay, it's and what you want. And make that judgment call and start shopping out for new clients. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that, man. That's so cool. This is sort of a cliche question, um, but it often brings very interesting results. I think that was uh, the most evident when I asked uh, Paula Cher if she can go back and change anything. The answer I got was really striking. Uh, if you uh, have not listened to that podcast, that was a really interesting moment in this show. Um, but if you can go back and change anything, cliche question, but can have a very deep answer. Yeah. Would you change anything or, or are you, are you of the mindset similar to that? I am that, uh, if not for those mistakes, I would not be the person that I am. But if you could kind of have that butterfly effect moment where you can go back to yourself with 22 and be like, like, don't do that. Or like, don't take this job or like, <laughs> yeah. Cause it sounds like it was pretty no. good. It sounds like you had great relationships yeah. at the, uh, your agencies and. It's been a nice yeah. trajectory, it sounds like. Definitely. Um, I made, I, let me see. I made one mistake early on in my career, early on with the first agency I worked at. Um, and this doesn't really relate to anything creative. This is just business. Yeah. But um, I, uh, I, I worked for a guy who was kind of a hard ass. He was kind of hard to work with. He liked me, though. I knew he liked me and he liked my work. But he was, he was a tough character. Um, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I didn't always get a fair deal from him in terms of either the work I was doing or, or things like time off and stuff like that. Yeah. So I got, I got offered a job literally across town, not even across town, like a few streets down at another agency. Uh, and this is about a year in, no, a year and a half into working at this place. And um, essentially jumped ship and quit for more money at another place. Right. And um, he didn't take that well. It didn't go over well. And because he was kind of a bully, he sent me, I handed him my two weeks and he wrote me back and he said, um, you know, we have a business relationship with these guys that they don't steal our employees and we don't steal theirs. And I said, I wrote back and said, hey, that's, that's not my problem. Um, which was, and I, and I said it kind of in a, not necessarily using all those words, but just, you know, he didn't take it well. It didn't, right. it didn't go well. So he pulled me into his office and said, you need to go and kick me out that day. 
which terrified me. And he, and, and he said something along the lines of, you know, I hope they still want you over there. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going he's gonna to kick me out and he's going to tell them not to hire me. That didn't happen. They, he already had a reputation. They knew how he could be and they, they gladly brought me in the next day. So I was fine. Right. But um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm English. I'm pathologically polite and non-confrontational. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't thrive off of that kind of thing at all. But he had just sort of backed me into a corner and I just wanted to stand up for myself one more time. Yes. But I still, don't think I, hand, I still don't think I handled it very well. Yeah. And it, it's definitely not always a good thing to, as they say in the industry, to, to go across the street for more money. Yeah. Um, so that was that was that was one mistake I made early. Um, yeah. uh, agency uh, loyalty is, is a big deal, and it shows on your resume. If you've only worked for a place for for a year or or even less, right, right, right. it's going to be like, well, why? Why did that happen? Um, yeah. It's one more tip that I'm always telling people now, and it's something that I'm really trying hard to to live by um, at this point. And it's not always easy, but um, always get half up front. Don't start a job until you've got money in your hands. Because these people will not pay you if they don't like your work, or if they've just come to you with, with stars in their eyes, thinking, ah, "I'll get the money later. Let's get this guy working on this logo now." Um, yeah, they, it's 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 way more common than it should be. Right. So, don't start working until you get some money in your hand. Get all of it, or get half up front if possible. Now, some clients they're not going to offer that. Some more established, you know, bigger clients are going to be like, "That's just not how we work." Take it or leave it. And so, you know, you're going to be like, well, yeah. okay, I guess I'll take it. I'll get paid later. That's fine. But, uh, I'll get paid in eight months when they finally come around and pay me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I wish I had learned that earlier and been harder on myself Yeah. to make, to make that happen because, um, well, yeah. It's not I, an easy I, thing to say because it's a bit confrontational, yeah? Like it's, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yep. So it's a 50-50 proposition. Exactly right. It's always exactly. a 50 like, yeah. It's a 50-50. You have to think of it like It's that. symbiotic. Yeah. Yeah. Shit's exactly. binary, son. Anyway, all right. Uh, <laughs> last question: Why super furry? That's the last question. Okay, go. So, uh, <laughs> super furry. It's it's actually it's a moniker that I'm kind of stuck with now. And if I, <laughs> it almost goes back to your changing your question. If I can change one thing, what would it be? I might change this, um, because it, it's it's just it's so ridiculous now. It's so goofy. But yeah, I, back in the day, years ago, I was into the band Super Furry Animals, and uh, I was having a conversation with an art director, and I said, "Yeah, I just been listening to this band, Super Furry Animals." And he said, "Hey, you're a Super Furry Animal because I my hair was longer, you know, I had the beard and everything." Yeah. And uh, and I thought, "Oh, that's cool." And it happened to coincide with the time that I signed up for a Flickr account. Yep. Um, at which in doing that, you of course had to sign up for a Yahoo Mail account. So, um, and it was it was the first name that came to my mind was Super Furry, uh, and and I started using that, I guess. Well, yeah, because, see, I'm having to backtrack and think this through. Uh, Flickr was really my first portfolio. That's yeah. how my work really got out there originally. It was just posting, just dumping stuff on, yeah. on Flickr. Flickr was kind of like the original Behance in a weird way. Yeah, or yeah. Or Dribbble, whatever. You know, I, didn't, yeah. I, didn't have, I didn't have the resources or the time to create a website for myself back then. Right. And that was, it was, it was practically free. I could just dump stuff on there, and, and people started finding it, you know, and that was, that's what really kind of got my, uh, my freelance career rolling. But uh, the super furry thing stuck, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I don't really use it anymore. Like it's still my Instagram uh, name, and I think it's I think Twitter. But the funny thing that's happened to me on Twitter, um, I don't use Twitter don't all that much. Don't tell me the furries message you. 
Oh, all the time. Yeah, no, no. No. Oh, my God. Most <laughs> of the people who follow me now on Twitter are furries. Oh, my God. This is the greatest yeah, yeah, yeah. any podcast in the history of Meet the Creatives. No, this is so crazy. <laughs> yep, yep. You, you, you call it. it. If you don't know what it means, people, you're about to be weirded out. Fucking Joe Rogan turned me on to, to furries and how they were at, they did a uh, they were at a comedy show and they and then at the hotel there was furries there and I had never heard the yeah. expression before. Very strange. Yeah. Very weird. It, very strange. Yeah. And and you know they they'll they'll swear up and down that they're not they're not you know. I don't know what I don't know what the the word de jour is. They they'll, they'll swear they're not kinky, but they're as they're as they're as dirty as I don't know what. They're they're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're nasty, up to no good. Nasty little furry people. Oh my god. People yeah, who don't know yeah, what so we're talking about are probably so confused right now. That's right. <laughs> oh my god. This has been really fun. Uh, thank you so much, Simon, for doing this. Uh, you are an amazing dude if I'm ever in Texas or you're ever in New York. Let's set something up. Beer, coffee, Got it. whatever you're Got into, it. whatever your vices are. Uh, where can people find you online? Obviously, super furry. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what are, you, what are your handles and everything like that? And any exciting projects coming up? Anything I overlooked in my lack of preparation for this podcast? Oh, I don't know. There are so many things we could talk about. I, I don't know. We, we covered a good amount. So cool. yeah. Yeah. yeah so, projects uh, coming up. No. Um, so doing I'm, a bunch of stuff for, for Modern Times. You know, the brewery Modern Times are yes, out in California, yes. San Diego. Oh, I love them. Uh, so overjoyed to be involved with those guys. And they Hell keep yeah. bringing me oh, good yeah. stuff. And sending me free beer too. Wow, so, awesome. It's always good. Yeah. Um, so, so they've been great. Uh, continuing to create fonts. I got a new font coming out on my font site, Beasts of England. Nice. Uh, nice. So that should be coming out pretty soon. All right. Cheers, brother. It's great talking to yep. you. And uh, let's chat again soon. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for checking out this episode of Meet the Creatives. If you enjoyed it, uh, make sure you add me on Instagram, Meet the Creatives NY, and let me know your thoughts. And make sure to subscribe to iTunes.